Zollinger is from Rockland, California. She is a wife and a mother to a beautiful two-year-old daughter. She started a blog called Snatching Sunshine to try and get her story out into the world in an attempt to help others who may be dealing with the same thing she has dealt with, binge eating disorder. This common disorder is not often discussed and while she'd been receiving treatment for years for depression and anxiety, nothing had really worked until she got to the root of the problem. When she found out what it was, she learned ways to overcome it, which also gave her skills in overcoming other trials in her life. So stay with us to hear her story, what she's learned, and how you can create your story on purpose and overcome those trials. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over those stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Power serves us best when we know how to use it. So, Courtney, welcome to Love Your Story Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're excited to learn from you. And I just want to start by asking you to delve right into your story from the beginning. Take us where you've been and what you learned. I probably first started noticing I had, um, I was a little bit different with my anxiety and my depression, probably when I was around 13. But within the last three years has been when uh, things started getting a bit more overwhelming. I. How, How old are you now? I'm 26 years old. So when I got married, to my wonderful husband. Uh, That's when a lot of my anxiety started getting a little more out of control. I suddenly had to take care of somebody else every day and kind of show him I loved him, but uh, it put up more pressure than I was used to. And so I spoke to my doctor and I started getting on anxiety medication, which helped a lot. And then uh, we kind of had a bit of a surprise when I got pregnant with my daughter. And we were so excited and ready to welcome this beautiful girl into the world. But she was a bit of a hard pregnancy. I had hyperemesis, so I was throwing up 24-7. And I ended up with high blood pressure as well. And so I was on bed rest and not moving a lot for most of my pregnancy. And it started to take a toll on me a lot emotionally. And once she was born, she's beautiful. She's now two, and she's the world to me and my husband. Happiest little kid you'll ever meet. But her first uh, couple of months were also difficult. She had silent acid reflux, and so she screamed a lot, (laughs) a lot, a lot. I remember one day she literally screamed from the time my husband left left for work until the time he came home. And just feeling that overwhelming sensation that comes from just being a new mom and then also having that sensation of dealing with her issues and her difficulties from when she was so little – And after uh, speaking with her doctor and getting her on medication and she started to improve, I started to notice finally that I was not improving. I was in a pretty dark place. I wasn't happy. 
I quite frankly sat all day long, didn't want to do a whole lot, and I started kind of being nervous. I didn't like the person I was becoming. I didn't like the mom that I was. I didn't feel like I was being the person that I was taught to be by my parents. And so I sought help and I talked to my doctor, and that's when he put me back on anxiety medication. It helped for about maybe a month, and then I started noticing if all these things were still more overwhelming than not (laughs) and being a mom was just still becoming more and more overwhelming each day and so I was kind of I was feeling very lost and I was getting I found myself kind of getting more depressed more anxious my panic attacks started coming more frequently and I couldn't understand why I was on medication my doctor had also upped my dosage and it still seemed to hardly be making a dent into it and After one point being in a lot of desperation, I actually turned to Facebook of all places and a mom group I belong to and started telling people some of my issues because I also started to notice really small things that didn't make sense. I began to notice that food was always at the forefront of my mind. I honestly, it kind of makes me sad to realize how much I thought about it now and how different it is. So can I ask you a question then? Yeah. The whole time that you were depressed and anxious <clears throat> and unmotivated sitting there on the couch, was was the food, was the, the binge eating, was that going on at that time or did it start later? It was going on that time. It, I didn't really, I didn't notice it. It took me a little bit to realize. Uh, it was actually more when I started to realize all my efforts to lose weight were for naught, and I was actually gaining weight. I wanted my baby weight gone like any new mom does, <laughs> and it wasn't really working out. I would actually work out probably for sometimes two hours a day until I felt sick to my stomach, but then I'd get home and I would tell myself, well, I did something good, so, and it's obviously not making a difference, so I would just figured I'd eat, and I would, at times, blackout. I wouldn't realize what I was eating because that's that was all I could think about. I couldn't think about anything else and next thing I know I'd kind of wake up more or less and I'd eaten a whole pan of brownies or things like that. And Is binge eating about eating a lot of food or eating food that's not good for you or just eating more than you should? Is it massive amounts or is it just a consistent amount? I mean What are the details of what that looks like so somebody might recognize it in themselves? So binge eating disorder, when I was able to find an actual definition for it, it, it's basically where you have binging episodes uh, at least once a day, five times a week. So a binging episode is basically where you, at least for me, it's kind of where that becomes the only thing I can think about is consuming as much food as I can for half hour to an hour, and that's the only thing that I feel can make me feel better. So when I would be having these anxious moments or these panic attacks or these deep depressions, the only thing that I felt could get me out of those was food. And so I would binge, and then I'd feel it's usually also characterized um, when you read more about it and learn more about it. It's also characterized by 
insane amounts of self-loathing and self-guilt. You typically finish a binge feeling really horrible, horrible about yourself and feeling pretty about as low as you can get. And then it happens either one, at least once a day, five times a week. And that's how, that's what it's clinically described as. Okay, so how did you discover this then? You were saying it was on Facebook that you made a post and somebody knew what it was? Yeah, so I was in, belonged to a mom group on Facebook and I kind of just reached out and I explained my story and I got a lot of those typical answers of, well, if you eat right and exercise, you'll do great. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm trying to do that and it's not doing a whole lot. I don't think that's what's wrong. And finally, uh, one sweet lady posted um, an article she had just read recently about binge eating disorder. And I read that and I really, I just bawled the entire time I read it because I suddenly saw myself and this other woman that was also struggling with this eating disorder and saw that she was actually able to get help and she was learning how to deal with hers as well and learning to cope. I always thought that I was messed up more or less for not being able to handle my own mind and handle my body and understand what was going on and so to suddenly see this other woman that had the same difficulties but she was finding a way to make her way out of it all it gave me a lot of hope it started making me seek a different direction and that's why you're doing what you're doing now so that other people who have it can find hope in your story right Exactly. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being here and sharing this story. So what did it look like discovering it and making those changes? What was your trip like? So once I discovered that that sounded a lot like me, I went to my doctor <clears throat> and I told him, I would say the biggest step for me was being honest. I never wanted to tell anybody any of my true symptoms because I thought they weren't real symptoms. I didn't think it was an actual thing that there was an eating disorder for people that, you know, ate as much as I did or things and had these episodes more or less. And so I went to my doctor and he did uh, diagnose me officially with binge eating disorder and uh, gave me medication to help. Uh, but that medication is actually um, very strong medication, so they don't like you to be on it for very long. And so I started uh, seeking my own path of how to make a more long-term solution out of my, my issues. And so... What does the medication do? It, it's technically an appetite suppressant. It's actually ADHD medication. Hmm. And so it's an appetite suppressant so that you can and it also helps you think more clearly so for me since food was something i thought about so frequently and so often having the appetite suppressant it gave me the first clear thoughts i'd had in probably good at least five years probably it gave me really clear open thoughts so i could think about things that mm. real people thought about <laughs> so had you been binge eating for the past five years basically what i've kind of figured out now in hindsight and talking to my mom uh, and my husband is that we think it's something that I started around 13 years old. I It wasn't a huge issue then because it was just starting, but I realized when I'd had a bad day at school or 
different things going on growing up that I would come home and the first thing I would do would be to eat as many snacks as I could find. Or if um, sometimes, I feel like it sounds so silly and weird, but sometimes when, uh, like after we'd eaten dinner, I would uh, purposefully take everybody's plates into the uh, kitchen to clean, and then I would take a, like extra bites of whatever was left over from what my mom made or things like that. And so I started realizing these other inconsistencies that started happening a long time ago. That is so interesting. How, how did that affect your mind as you were growing up? Like what stories did you create about yourself or did you not notice or think it was odd that, that you would take in the extra food? Did you just not notice it until you were older and in this space? I would say I did notice, but I it, it comes down to the honesty again. I didn't want to admit to myself that it was weird that I did that. So I would kind of frequently tell myself, oh, this is normal. Other people probably do this. Nobody just wants to admit it either. I just started kind of creating this ruse in my life where I just would hide it and I wouldn't let people know what I would do. And I also wouldn't let people know what I thought about myself because I didn't like that I was doing that, but I didn't know how to control it. What kind of tools, so now we're hopping back to the, the space where you're figuring out what it is, what kind of tools were the most helpful to you? For me, what was big was when I actually learned that eating disorders are a type of addiction. I didn't, I had never thought of it as that. So what I had done was <clears throat> I actually went to uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They have an addiction recovery uh, website. So I went to their website and I found, um, I was just looking around at it, and I saw that they actually had a section for eating disorders. And they actually even have uh, groups that you can go to and discuss your eating disorder with. Um, I didn't go to one of those groups, I will admit. I wish I had, but I lived in the middle of nowhere at the time, so it was a pretty long drive to get to that group. <laughs> But I was able to start going through this addiction recovery manual. It's a 12-step program. And as I went through each step, I started realizing new things about myself that I hadn't noticed before. And I started working through a lot of the problems and things that I hadn't considered true problems uh, that had ha things that had happened to me growing up and I started coming to terms with different things, and then I, I really started focusing on learning how to love myself and learning that everyone makes mistakes. It's not just you. Everybody in the world has their good days and their bad days, and it doesn't make you any less of a person to have a really terrible day. Well, or a really difficult phase of life. You know, that's what this whole podcast is about, is coming to love your story and through loving your story and accepting who you are and the path you took and the things you learned from those things, coming to a better space of self-love. So yeah, this, this intersects perfectly. So just to be clear, the, the first tool you found that was most helpful was an, an addiction recovery workbook, right? Correct. Okay, what's the second tool? I would say for me, my second tool was actually my family. I realized that I had been pushing my family away 
during all this time, especially uh, within probably about the first two years leading up to my discovery. I had really pushed my family away. I didn't want them to see me that way. And so I started talking to them less and less. And the wonderful family that I have, they kept pushing back until I was able to realize that they loved me despite all my flaws. And so, uh, especially my husband and my mom, were they pushed back a lot. And they pushed me until I was able to find the help that I needed. And then I was able to use the rest of my family as a tool too. I was able to go back and apologize to my siblings and tell them I was sorry for pushing them away so much. And next thing I knew, they were just giving me this big outpouring of love and lots of hugs and telling me that they loved me and that they'd really been there every step of the way. I just didn't want to see it. And so using their love really gave me another tool in uh, continuing to push forward and continuing to use that support to find more ways to improve. What a beautiful blessing to have that kind of support team. And one of our earlier episodes, um, Becky Andrews was talking about resilience. And one of the main keys to being resilient is having a safe place, a support space where you can go to and get support from other people to help you to hold your hand, to remind you that you're loved and to push back when you're pushing, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is there a third tool that you found? I would say the third tool, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I would say the third tool for me has been honesty. When I have, I would say now that I've recovered a lot, the biggest thing for me is to maintain that level of honesty and to continue to push forward. So every time that I have a really negative thought or I have a really crummy day, I'll text my husband uh, if he's at work because I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'll send him a message and I'll say, okay, this is what I did today. And he'll say, hey, it's okay. You're a human. Everyone screws up and I still love you for it. And then we just move on. But having that level of honesty has uh, created a new level in our relationship and created even more of a support system and a strength. And I try to maintain that honesty with everyone i if i have a really bad day and so i don't respond to my siblings trying to talk to me i'll let them know say hey i'm having a tough day and they'll just start sending me uh lots of love and support and that honesty is really what kind of keeps me moving forward instead of moving back that sort of takes care of my next question which was going to be these skills and things that you've learned through your experience of overcoming the binge eating disorder um how does you know how do you how have you used that in other situations do you have any specific challenging situations where you had to rely back on that honesty and on the things you learned from the workbook and on the love of your family beyond what you've shared i would say recently we actually just barely moved to california and it was a pretty big deal for our family and so it was it was a difficult process to get here And there were a lot of times when I wanted to revert back to my old ways and kind of just cocoon myself and push everybody back. But I was able to uh, recall what I've learned and to use the honesty. And honestly, there's many times when I've gone back to my workbook and looked at the things that I had written down to remind myself in the future and to 
look and read those um, inspiring stories and inspiring comments by other people that have struggled and with other addictions and things that were able to continue keeping me on that path. And so even though moving was really hard and it was a really long process trying to sell our house and my husband and I were separated for a little bit because he had to move ahead of us to get uh, start working and we hadn't sold our house yet. In the past, I would have just probably cried every day and eaten more food than I could ever imagine. But instead, I was able to use my other tools. And I would say, I'm sorry, I have a tool to add, I guess, is that um, I found a new outlet. My mom is a huge walker, and so she gave me a Fitbit, and I became, I started channeling all my energy into walking, because I knew I wasn't in shape to start running like I used to and love running, but I could walk, and there was nothing that could stop me from walking, and I was able to channel so much of my, my feelings and my anxiety and my stress into other more productive Productive, thank you. <laughs> Other more productive ways of coping. Well, I want to congratulate you because that's huge. That is such a big win to have a life experience to take tools out of it and then to be able to reapply them. Congratulations. Look thank how much stronger you are. <laughs> thank you. One of the big parts of reframing the story is being able to look back at a really hard time and see what you learned, what you took out of it, or what, what you can take out of it that's positive. And these tools that you're talking about are a prime example of that, of being able to actually learn from a process and then move forward with other processes in a healthy way. So it's a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. In parting, what type of advice or resources do you have for anyone who would be listening and thinking, oh, that sounds a little bit like me, or you know, what was the next step? What, what advice do you have for them? My biggest advice would be don't give up. Uh, keep searching for those answers. Keep searching for what works best for you, because I, I do realize what worked for me isn't always gonna work for everyone, but keep searching. Just because I had anxiety medication, I knew that something wasn't right, so I kept, I kept pushing, I kept searching for that real answer that was able to help me find happiness and to help me find joy. And so I would say keep pushing and talk to your doctor. That's, I think, a big thing that people get afraid with mental illness to talk to other people. If you don't want to talk to family, talk to your doctor. Talk to them and really find that next course of action, whether it's medication like it was for me temporarily or finding an addiction recovery program or things like that. But make sure you don't give up and continue to find that path that'll work for you to on your road to recovery. After you got your tools, this is just my last question, but after you got your tools and figured out that it was the binge eating disorder, did that help your anxiety and depression go away? It did. I actually found out that one of the symptoms of binge eating disorder is anxiety and depression. And so, though I still have the tendency toward anxiety and depression, having that 
diagnosis and learning the new tools that I had to fix it kind of took a load off my shoulders. It made me realize like there was more to it than what I thought. And I kind of always took it as anxiety and depression, you can find a way to fix it. And so when I found this, what the real uh, reason behind all that was, it gave me that, that tool to fix it. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for being brave and bold and sharing your story so that other people can learn from it. Do you have any parting thoughts? Be strong. You guys are amazing. Don't forget how incredible you truly are. Renee Brown in her book, Rising Strong, said, Courage is contagious. Rising Strong changes not just you, but also the people around you. To bear witness to the human potential for transformation through vulnerability, courage, and tenacity can be either a clarion call for more daring or a painful mirror for those of us stuck in the aftermath of the fall, unwilling or unable to own our stories. Your experiences can profoundly affect the people around you, whether you're aware of it or not. Courtney Zollinger is one of those brave people who is willing to share her path, willing to share her experiences with binge eating disorder, brave enough to stand up and share in a vulnerable space just so that others who might be suffering with something similar can see that there is a path out. We celebrate her for that bravery and encourage those of you who are in your stories fighting your way through to keep fighting through. Have fun out there this week telling your stories, looking for ways that your story can build other people and telling the story that only you know how to tell. Please share this podcast with anyone you think that it can help and Go to the website www.loveyourstorypodcast.com and leave your remarks or thoughts or suggestions on the Contact Us page. <laughs>